This is the Women Emerging Expedition Podcast, so you can follow the ups and downs and the roundabouts of the expedition and play your part in them. 24 women started on the 28th of May 2022 on this virtual expedition that will take nine months. We are women from across the world determined to find an approach to leadership that resonates with women. We'll be successful so that women the world over will be able to say, if that's leadership, I'm in. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this coming of age podcast episode. This is our 21st episode. So welcome. Julie Middleton here, expedition leader. So logic says that if the expedition is going to achieve its objective, an approach to leadership that resonates with women, it has to reach out to many, many, many women of all ages right across the world. So over the next few months, I thought just occasionally I'll do a special episode which will be really going deep into a certain group of women and saying, if the expedition is going to produce an approach to leadership that resonates with women and the women are you, what does what what do we what do we absolutely have to cover? What do we absolutely have to address to include and absolutely not leave out? The first group is going to be a group of 17-year-olds in Karachi in Pakistan. Why? Well, 21st today seems a good idea to talk to 17-year-olds. And because I have a wonderful friend called Leilama in Pakistan, whom I met when she was 14. And she's now grown up. She's 17 now. And I asked her to gather some of her friends from school. She's in her last year of school. So that I could talk to them about what the expedition had to do to resonate to them, to a 17-year-old that's 47 years younger than me, and a 17-year-old in Karachi, which is a very different world from the one that I know. Leila Ma is a very impressive young woman, as are the women I interview. There's no attempt here to get a representative sample of young 17-year-olds in Karachi. These are young, educated women who speak English, and who have great prospects for the future and their chances of becoming leaders of Pakistan in the future are very high. So I really, really wanted to talk to them about the expedition and how it could best serve them so that they would say, if that's leadership, I'm in. Leilama introduced me to seven young women. Rija, Wayna. Maria, Aishal, Eamon and Rania. They're all fascinating in different ways and I've sort of produced a bit of a compilation of their answers to my questions. And the first question, maybe you're not surprised by this, was to say, what's it like to be 17? I guess I still feel like a little child at the same time, but you're obviously expected to face the challenges as almost an adult and all. So I guess it's sort of like a weird phase. 
it feels real now. Does that make sense? That now that I'm entering into the world as an adult, it feels more real. There's responsibilities and it's a bit scary. In Pakistan, it's kind of hard. It's very, very hard because I see my friends going to different places and I'm not allowed because my parents are overprotective. And the situation over here is just getting worse day by day. So it's a bit hard, but then there are also advantages because if you're an introvert, then it's fun because you get to stay alone at home. Then I asked them what the world looks like from where they're sitting. Well, to be very honest, it looks bleak. I think right now everyone can see that moving forward, it is like the economic state of the world, just general, like, you know, this general feeling of doom and gloom, which has overcome us, especially with the pandemic and so many existential threats. You know, every day you wake up, you hear about climate change, and you hear about by a certain point, oh, you know, you can't go back. So it's definitely very scary but at the same time you know we're the new generation we're the ones who can make the change if we want to you know even right now so it's scary but also inviting in some sense I get excited if I'm being honest there is there is some nervous feelings but me wanting to go somewhere, wanting to get out of this place and wanting to just move abroad. It's one of my dreams. And I remember telling my mother that I want to study university abroad. And she said, you don't want to go there for study. You want to go because you want a bit of freedom. That's the only thing you want. And it's, it's upsetting because she figured it out. It's not because of studying. It's just because I want to go somewhere different, somewhere new, somewhere I can do it the way I want. Because in family vacations, I just have to follow my family. I cannot do places, the things that I want to do, because my family just does not understand that bit. Just take me to the biggest bookstore there is, because I want to see it. I want to see, I want to sit down in a cafe and write and drink some coffee and do something without having any kind of fear that I am being shocked or something bad's going to happen. So do they want to be leaders? Is the word leader at all attractive? And if it is, what kind of leaders do they want to be? I'd say I find the idea of leadership attractive, but not the way it's currently being done. What do you see in in the leadership that you don't want to be? I've seen arrogance, dictatorship, people getting, there's too much pride between it. But that's what's a boss. A boss is dictatorship. He's like the one giving them assignments, stuff like that. If you, if you do something wrong, you're going to get scolded. That's what a boss does. But a leader is different. And I think people get confused in, in differentiating the two. So for the expedition to be useful to you, it has to show you how to become a leader rather than how to become a boss. Yes. Does the word leadership excite you or does it make or does it horrify you? I would say a little bit of both. I think leadership excites me in the sense that there would be, you know, wherever wherever I go or whoever I lead, they would be willing to listen to my opinion and they would respect me enough to listen to my opinion. But it's also horrifying because it's a very big responsibility. 
you have people waiting for your opinion and you can't go wrong and if you do go wrong you have to pay a a big price for it because you are you are a leader and i i think what's more exp- exciting about it is at the end of the day leadership uh, especially as a woman is making sure that you don't mess up because when a brown woman is considered a leader she is looked at through the lens of every brown woman because she will be the example that's given to everybody else that oh she got this leadership position and she messed up and it is unfortunately the misogynistic perception that we have in our world that whenever a woman or anyone with a, a minority background is given a leadership position they're scrutinized to a certain extent because more than anyone else because of the simple fact that they are a minority so it's the exciting and also horrifying aspect of it i guess okay for me personally leader is something that's very attractive to But me i would be a different kind of leader than my mother in terms of listening my mom is more about do what i tell you to do and i am open to suggestions i would like to know there's no no point in life where i i think i'd be like I don't want to hear what you have to say just do what I'm telling you to do. So in a way the approach to leadership that resonates with women needs to help you make the transition from a generation of women who gave orders to a generation of women that you belong to who want to listen. Yeah. I think that we will be a different generation and I also believe that at the same time we will be a more forgiving generation because we've had to go through a pandemic and we've also I think especially in these past few years mental health uh, awareness has been on a high and it's every single one of us we have I think in some way or the other we are all relate to each other in in the form of struggle because we've all struggled so much whether no matter what background we've come through i think everybody has struggled and there's also a certain awareness now so i think that i think our generation has the ability to be more transparent as leaders it's hard to believe that you're the fi- that you're the forgiving generation if you look at social media that's true i think cancel culture where we're ruthless when it comes to that i will give you that but i think that but with that said we are also forgiving in a way that we we we're under we understand each other more i think that whenever you put like 20 to 15 to 20 year olds if you put them in a room they would all be able to understand each other and speak a language that perhaps you or someone in their 40s or 50s would not understand because of the simple fact of social media yes we are ruthless when it comes to racism yes we are ruthless when it comes to misogyny but if you look at how much we've uplifted people we've uplifted so many different icons like uh, and so many politicians like for example alexandria ocasio cortez from america we've uplifted these women because of the simple fact that we believe in the in their motto and we believe in their leadership and we are also willing to forgive the mistakes that they have done simply because we know that it it makes sense but yes we are ruthless when it comes to certain 
we are ruthless when it comes to prejudice and we're ruthless when it comes to racism. And I, I think that we, we sh we're justified in being ruthless about these things because if we would, wouldn't, if we let these things slide, then we've seen what happened. We've seen what's happened in the 1990s, 2000s. Racism, if you were not aggressive towards it, if you're not aggressive towards prejudice, it's not gonna go away. Yes. Having said that, there's not been a great deal of um, progress on misogyny. Yeah, that's true. I won't deny that, especially living in South Asia. I can tell you that there's there's this factor in South Asia that there's no one's willing to understand. Everybody is speaking, but no one's willing to listen. And that's the issue because people are not listening to understand. People are, people are listening to reply. So when you're having a conversation with a man or anyone that's misogynistic, whenever you put a point forward that is valid, the first thing that will come in their mind is, oh, but this is how I'll refute said point. And that entire thinking is wrong. And that whole, that's, and we can't even deny the fact that living in Pakistan or India or Bangladesh or Sri Lanka, our systems, and I think that this goes for every single country, is that our patriarchal systems are built to oppress women and minorities, whether we understand that or not. And the only way forward in my mind is that we have to dismantle these systems, we have to dismantle these laws in order to move forward as a society. But at the same time, with that said, knowing the mentality of the people in this part of the world, no one is willing to listen. And if you cannot listen, then you cannot move forward. No one is willing to understand. And that's the issue of it all because the mindset and the, I think the prejudice is so far ingrained in our mind and in our DNA that it's quite impossible to change the way things are going now. But the only way I think that we can change things is by showing by representing and by being aggressive towards these things. We cannot sit in silence anymore. If I asked a guy, maybe a friend or a man, this question, that whether when they walk on the streets alone, whether they have that sense of fear, whether they have to constantly text their friends, their address and location, they maybe some would say yes, but a high majority of them would probably say no, that they don't experience that. But if you ask any girl in majority countries these questions, they'll definitely say yes they'll be like, we completely understand that fear and, you know, the consequences that could happen. So that's why I feel like when making policies for both genders, there should be equal representation because only then will this matter have like a close place in your heart. And that's the huge one main problem in Pakistan that they think, oh, kids are dumb. Females are even dumber. They're not meant to be here. And the whole arrogance, their pride, males are stubborn. They're, they're stubborn. And it runs from generation to generation and every man is stubborn than a wall. It's like talking to five walls at the same time and just not making any sense of it. Everything, if you just tell them that they're wrong, it just hurts them as if they died. It's like this over, over dramatic thing, which is pretty annoying. And it's hilarious at times, but... This whole point about leadership, it's going to be hard. And the whole feminism thing that they all started for females to vote. How did that happen? It happened with a huge marching, this and that, there was riot. Same thing with George Floyd incident, Black Lives Matter. It was a huge riot. It started everywhere. 
and that's how things would happen they cannot expect women to finally get their freedom get their leadership when we're just sitting at home complaining because we're not allowed to go there are different platforms now before we didn't have platforms we have facebook twitter instagram snapchat all those kind of things is just that people females especially are afraid to just say something and that's what upsets me because one person would make a change but it also depends on like everyone because until unless they don't say anything nothing's going to happen i definitely think that there is going to be a very drastic shift because right now we can see that the world has very quickly because you know of technology social media access to information easy access to information right um there is this drastic shift from like conservatism to liberalism right to making sure that everyone has their like human rights and we know that right now even in like certain first world countries which i don't want to name <laughs> whisper whisper the us um a lot of the leaders are um you know they're corrupt they're greedy and all they're looking for is like money and power and the fame that comes with being like a politician or being in like that position of power right i think it's different for us i think because we see how the world is right now under these leaders we realize how it's important is to make that change and be better to ensure that the future generation doesn't have to suffer like we do so i think our generation is more fit to be leaders and even right now i think there are so many youth leaders greta thunberg for example she's an aspiration for all teenagers i think she's a role model for all teenagers when it comes to being in a leadership role just the simple fact that you know a kid has to come up and scream at the world's leaders that what are you doing you know fix yourselves fix this before it becomes an issue even without holding any substantial power right she speaks from a place where from like a place of heart where you know she you can tell she really believes in the things she's saying right and i think when a leader is in that position they have to be believing in the cause that they're working towards otherwise if there's no passion there's not going to be any drive and ultimately you know they won't be able to do the best that they can so i think that's something that's very distinct about her leadership because politicians come up and you know they have like their sweet words and their calm patient voices which suits the people into thinking that everything is okay and everything will be fine when everything is not i think what you're saying is that if our approach to leadership is going to resonate with you it has to be an approach to leadership that helps women express their rage without being dismissed 100% i 100% agree with this i think due to like patriarchal systems in place right now women are very constricted to how they can you know put forward their beliefs and put forward what they think and even then when it's something that doesn't you know sit right with you know these patriarchal systems they're automatically dismissed right there is a lot of rage that that is there there is a lot of rage which i hold for the women who were mistreated for the women who were mistreated just because they are women right and i think you know when men express their rage when men express their passion they're seen as oh my god he's so 
um you know he's so passionate he's so well spoken he cares about his cause but when women do it it's a completely opposite thing right women's suffrage didn't come about by us sitting back and not going out in the streets and fighting for a right to vote right women's suffrage came about because we realized that, oh we need it right we make up like almost half the population on this earth and we deserve our basic human rights so when we went out and we fought and we told them to give us our basic rights they had to listen and i think at some point we have to do this too because as much as people like to say that there's no more you know there's no more misogyny there's no more sexism it's just so inbuilt and ingrained in today's society that entangling and unwinding those roots is going to be a very long and difficult task and you can't do that without not hearing out what a woman who is facing all these issues has to say about it as your perception i think of leadership in your journey will be the leadership of a fight a battle is required possibly uh, ideally in, a, in an ideal world it would be handling a situation diplomatically where everyone's able to come to a concise decision make compromises but still follow their aim but seeing that in a lot of situations that has not worked out it's most likely that people will have to stand up whether it's through protests whether it's through expeditions and all they'll have to stand up and fight to prove their point to at least get them to a level where the whole world notices that this is something important this is something that people need to address i asked what other questions the expedition has to answer or at least help with why does my job have to move around a certain sphere of fundamental things when a man can do whatever he wants in like he has all the options and my options are just limited to things that i can do uh, that i can put a little bit of time in i mean what sacrifices does a woman have to make in order to become a leader because there is not the, the expectations related to a woman are not the same that are related to a man for example taking care of the house especially in this part of the world women have to take care of the children even though they have working jobs they have to do their house chores even though they have day jobs that are comparable to the man in the family but the the man doesn't have to do all of these things it's like the job is a side thing it is an extra thing that you're doing on top of the other things that are your responsibility as a woman the fundamental things that you are supposed to do in a way this all comes back to don't make this approach too aspirational when the reality is kind of dark <laughs> like i have a few friends um that are quitting uh, dropping out of university because they just feel like what is the point anyway if i'm just going to get married and uh, there's people i know who just married off their sold to families in uh, exchange for dowry i know people who don't even care about education because they feel like what's the point i mean if they were given the chance they would give a shit but they don't because they don't have the chance Isha went further and I asked her why she describes her generation as the reckless generation. 
But I perceive in three reasons. One are the restrictions, the boundaries that we have been, you know, brought into. Second being the world just being so selfish where, you know, you're just like, who do we think about? They're just doing bad to us, right? And the third being that, as you said, like, you know, we're just in a careless world at this point. I leave the final word to Maria because she thinks the reckless or at least fearless is good. So I feel like if women want to succeed, they need to care less. We care too much. There's, if we have this constant pressure uh, on our shoulders that's like pulling us down, thinking about, oh, I'm a representation. I'm, a, I'm one of so many. I got this chance and I have to do this. Um, or if I don't do this, I'm letting down not only myself, but all of womankind. If you have that kind of pressure, how will we ever take risks and risk higher the risk, the higher the reward? And that's how it works. I feel like women are just scared of taking risks because now they've become this representation. They have too much fear and fear can never let you do great things. So I feel like women should just let loose, do the thing, do whatever they want and just kind of go with it. What if they fail? It's fine. <laughs> But what if they succeed? They'll succeed big. The words some um, listen to understand not to reply are <laughs> shouting in my head. And, and of course, the word rage. The word rage. I'm not 17, I'm 64. I feel the rage. I suspect lots of people feel the rage. But maybe if we're going to resonate with all of you who are 17, we mustn't just feel it, we must express it. That feels like a good thought. So I went and spoke to Leilama, <laughs> having spoken to all her friends, or many of her friends. And first I, I asked her about rage and about listening, because the listening one's interesting, isn't it? One of her friends said that listening was the, the, the almost the superpower of her, of, of her generation. And another of her friends said it was the great weakness of her generation. So I went to Leilama for help on this and also then to test my thinking after speaking to six of her friends. Do you feel that level of rage? Yes. One of your friends says that your generation doesn't listen. Well, I feel that we listen more than our parents' generation, at least. So while we may not be the best listeners, but we are definitely better listeners than our, the previous generation of women. There's this one line that every single um, a Pakistani daughter will hear from her mother at least twice a day. It means I'm your mother, I have the right to say whatever I want to, I have, and you have to listen to me. So, yes, while some of them do listen, but most of the times they just give orders and expect us to listen. And it's not just mothers, it's a lot of women. Lelema, one of the things that comes through screaming loud to me is a sort of crude reminder of just how constrained the lives of women are in Pakistan, even 
amongst your friends. And your friends are well-educated, English-speaking women with great promise. And yet they still describe being effectively locked up in their homes. And they describe the dreams they have of traveling so that they can sit in cafes. And I think sometimes you just forget just how constricted and constrained even very privileged young women feel. Is that right? I completely agree with that because despite being privileged, we have our own restrictions. There's this stigma in Pakistan that girls girls are unsafe, girls are weak, girls are vulnerable, they can't be left alone, they can't take care of themselves. That may be true for some girls, but there are a lot of women out there who are perfectly strong and perfectly capable of taking care of themselves. I know some of them, and I like to think I am one of them. One of your friends, she's saying that this is so constricting that it almost makes what she called is a reckless generation. Well, for me, in my experience in the society I live in, from what I can see, because of all the constraints that we just talked about, all the different ways we're restricted, we're kept locked up, caged, eventually we're going to find a way to lash out. There have been some pretty frightening stories of violence against women and movements to counter that in Pakistan. What do those what does that feel like when you're looking at it from a 17-year-old's point of view? The stories and the cases in Pakistan are horrific. So it scares us a lot. It scares me personally. And the second thing I feel is I feel frustrated because it is so unfair. Because most of the case, most of the cases, if you look at them and if you read about them, you see that most of them are because the men have a backwards way of thinking. For example, um, if a man just simply doesn't agree with what a woman said, he will literally kill her. He will murder her. And it is unbelievably unfair. Like, how could someone do that just because you didn't agree with what a woman said, just because your wife didn't listen to you, didn't obey you? It's not like she committed a crime. It's not like she killed a family member of yours, she simply disagreed with you or didn't listen to you or didn't do what you wanted at that moment, despite the rest of the time being a good wife or being a good sister, it doesn't matter. In that one moment of rage, if a man can commit such unspeakable acts against a woman and for such a for such an insignificant reason, it just it frustrates me because it's so unfair. This is the purest and the most basic form of injustice in Pakistan. The second thing that really hit me is that, you know, Leilama, we decided to do this because we wanted to ask the question, you know, if the approach to leadership is to resonate for women and with women, um, and if those women are 17-year-old young students in Karachi and Pakistan, from those conversations, it seems to me that the, it must be as much about how do you build a collaboration, how do you lead, how do you bring people together, as it also needs to address how do you lead a really big fight? 
And if it's too reasonable and lovely, it won't speak to you and your friends, will it? I feel like if it's too reasonable and considerate and compassionate, not only will it not resonate as well with me and my friends, but it won't last. It, it won't be sustainable. Because in this real present-day world, no one can survive by no one can succeed, survive, make a change by simply being considerate and being compassionate, being understanding, being lovely. It won't work. So you need a balance. You need to know how to compromise. You need to know how to be respectful, reasonable, kind, just purely kind. But at the same time, you need to know how to stand up for yourself. You need to know how to fight. Otherwise, matter of fact, it won't be sustainable. So it's not just about resonating with 17-year-old students in Pakistan. It's about the leadership itself. It won't, res- it won't be sustainable for anyone, whether it be us, the 17-year-olds, or whether it be uh, a woman from the previous generation or the coming generation. It will not be sustainable for anyone because there is no situation in which only compassion will work, in my opinion. I feel like sometimes... And a lot of the times, especially in today's world, a fight will be necessary. If you don't know how to fight, you won't succeed. Especially in this male-dominated world. If you don't know how to fight, you won't succeed. Is Leila Marait. To all of you who are 17 around the world, tell us. So thank you, Leila Ma and your friends. That was really, really helpful. The next time we do one of these if the expedition is going to resonate, it needs two dot, dot, dot episodes, will be with an extraordinary group of uh, friends of a woman called Rebecca in Botswana. Really powerful leaders in that extraordinary country where women are leaders everywhere. So that, that we'll do that in August. I'm... I'm, I'm It's the joy of interviewing at the moment. I'm loving every minute of it. So just a final thought. Do you remember we we did the first of the lives with Aisha last week? We've just fixed the second of the lives with Hinamoa. On Thursday the 18th of August at 8.30pm UK time. If you want to know more about the details uh, of the live, Uh, go to us on Women Emerging on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. But um, do join us or or pick it up afterwards, of course. Hinamoa is leading a group within the expedition who are doing, who are, as she says, interrogating the concept of motherhood and, and to what extent motherhood and mothering influences women's leadership. She has strong views on this subject and it will be fascinating to answer your questions and to play with ideas. So hugely, hugely looking forward to it. Lots of love. Talk next week. Thank you for listening to the podcast. 
We would love you to follow the expedition and provide your own stories and perspectives. You can do this by subscribing to this podcast and joining the Women Emerging Group on LinkedIn, where you can have your say. 